0: Hey y'all! Welcome back to Love, Sex, and Applied Behavior Analysis, the podcast where pop culture and ABA meet. Yay! I have two very special guests. One of which, if you tuned into last week's episode, you heard. If you have not, go ahead and tune in so you can hear Gabriella um, on the badass. MFers episode and then we also are joined for the first time by her lovely twin sister Dr. Gemma. So hi y'all. Hey Cammy. Hi. Hi Cammy. Y'all actually sound alike too so like I think this is going to be interesting. Okay so for the rest of the show just talk but like don't say who you are and I feel like we should have the listeners try to guess like who's who. So like after your introduction like just talk and and We'll just try to figure out who y'all are that'd be a fun drinking game yeah i think i'm actually going to use it as that <laughs> okay so who wants to introduce themselves first
1: okay i can go first uh so hi everyone i'm gabriella barrientos i am a bcba and the older twin of the set by 10 minutes <laughs> Um, I've been working in ABA probably in one way or another for the last 15 years and recently embarked on a new adventure with my twin sister, Gemma.
2: Hi, all. I am Dr. Gemma Skiraton. I'm a doctor of public health and also a, the director of student wellness and health promotion for a mid sized institution in the Southeast. I am the younger twin of our duo. Uh, And also I have multiple fitness and wellness credentials and certifications. The last time I counted, I think I had 18 um, credentials that I keep up with on an annual basis.
0: Yeah. So JB and I actually tried to figure out all of your alphabet suit behind your name. And she was like, I know one of them. Like she was like public health. I think I was like, yeah, that's the only one I got. Like, I'm not (laughs) going to try to figure these out. I think i have asked Gabriella. And she's probably told me like five times and I'm like, holy shit, like goals, you know? So that's awesome. (laughs) Well,
2: thanks. Yeah. uh, It's funny. Actually, I had a set of interns. They quizzed me (laughs) to see if I knew all of my credentials. And I was like, of course, I know what all of my credentials mean. But what we did find out is I don't remember the order exactly off the top of my head.
0: I mean you literally have I mean a bunch I gotta put in the show notes like everything so people can see we're not exaggerating here <laughs> okay so tell me about twice consulting when y'all started I was like yo this is so needed um, I think it's just honestly it's just necessary um, probably for both of our fields but I think especially for the field of behavior analysis so tell us a little bit about that before we get started
1: So twice consulting. Um, and it was funny we were trying to come up with a name. We had looked up all these technical names for twins. Um, and then it's just we were like, this is too complicated. Um, so we start we stuck with twice consulting (laughs) and it's it's worked really well. But um essentially what we are is we we have different areas of consulting services. One of our initial avenues that we started on was continuing education opportunities. And what's really cool is you have always the behavior analytic and the public health perspective in one. Um, So it's a lot of figuring out how to present this information and making it applicable for both of our fields, But also having the wealth of knowledge that comes from another area of of study that you don't have. Uh, So that's where that, you know, the continuing education has started. Beyond that, we've been doing diversity, equity, and inclusion training and offering that to companies. Um, to essentially any company that would be interested in diversity, equity, inclusion, training. We've been including that on topics of gender expression, bias, privilege, microaggressions, um, allyship, ableism, sexual harassment. And a, a big piece of this is coming from the public health side and having the experience there, but then also having the behavior analytic side where you're able to, Create and give measurable goals, and and really kind of affect change on a behavioral level.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then from there, we've been doing health and fitness packages um, and remote fitness and behavior accountability, um, which is a you know great segue with the new year coming and and mm-hmm. New Year's resolutions and all of that. And um, you know ultimately, what tends to happen is people have really great ideas and goals and then, you know, January comes around, February comes around and we don't always meet those goals. Um, And so having the, Gemma has all these certifications, all these trainings to provide the knowledge you need in order to meet your goals. Um, And then I work on the behavioral side of, you know, what are those barriers? What environmental manipulations need to be made? Um, And also are your goals realistic? Um, Do they have benchmarks in between to get to where it is that you want to be? Um, And, you know, it's probably a good segue for your tacting with tequila uh, to go into some of those definitions and stuff. But are you shaping? Are you creating benchmarks? Are you reinforcing, you know, the approximations of those behaviors in order to get to those goals? Um, so that's what, you know, TCS is. Um, we likely will have and expand and, and make changes uh, as we go, but that's initially what we've kind of grown since we started in August. I love
0: um, that. 2019. Well, one of the things too, so this was probably over the summer um, when I asked you to help me or I was like, I really want to write a behavior plan. And to be honest, I'm like, I, I, I write these almost every day or every week, at least for um, my job. And I was like, well, I'm a behavior analyst. Like, this will easily, like, this will be easy for me. Like, you know, it'll easily kind of transfer over to um, myself and like the goals that I wanted. And what I quickly realized, thankfully with your help is that it didn't. So um, I'm really, really excited just to kind of get into that um, and I'm really pumped to learn more too about like the public health perspective as well. Um, so before we do, let's get into Will Press Lover for News. Thank you, Gabriella, for kind of giving us a teaser with attacking with tequila. So Gemma, this is just the pop culture segment. I usually just pull like a few kind of like trash news things. Um, and then we just kind of talk about them. Um, and the first one being, have you all heard that Lori Laughlin, AKA Aunt Betty, was released from prison after serving nearly two months only two months which shocker you know um after she quite literally like finessed her daughter's way along with some other people into getting into USC and like she only served two months nearly not even like a full two
1: I just very it's I'm (laughs) not surprised at all it's it's very par for the course and on brand for American culture absolutely, and, and, you know, protecting these white women who have money.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I, you know, I'm, it's, you could think of many stark contrasts for people who are jailed um, yep. for lying about their address in order to get their child to go to a better school
0: yep.
1: or a school that has Uh, you know, better technology or, or more money to support education. And these mothers um, who aren't white are jailed.
0: Mm -hmm. And then for years, like like for years, years. Mm -hmm.
2: it's it's not surprising at all. I mean, mean, we have a a white privileged, rich, wealthy, well-known, um, celebrity whom mm-hmm. is not held accountable for uh, I- if we were to compare a seemingly much worse crime compared to black mothers who are just trying to get their their children in primary school where they don't have to hear gunshots every day while learning. Mm-hmm. Um, so not not surprising at all, frustrating um you know I, I mean we could take this many different ways i have yet to <laughs> see her mugshot at all uh, at all but we we sure know how black uh folks are portrayed in the media mm-hmm. um, in, in comparison.
0: That's like even with the bombing um, in Nashville, how even like the, ha- the um, headline, they were like, you know, what they say? Something like, oh, a suicide bomber or something like that. But they never actually released anything, any indication about the identity of this person. And again, it's just very on brand for American culture. Um, have y'all watched the movie Soul on Disney Plus yet?
1: I have seen the trailer it is on my watch list for this weekend though I might watch it New Year's Eve actually I'm really excited to see it it's an
0: adorable I'm really interested to hear your perspective after that do not look at my Instagram if you haven't already me and Victoria Ferris like we were like we went on this like rant about it and then Denisha sent me like this post about it and I was like yeah so I'm excited to hear what you think have you seen it Gemma
2: I have not, but i it's definitely on my watch list. I'm all about Disney Plus and catching up on the new movies. I enjoy that more
0: than regular Hulu and Netflix. Same. I'm pretty childish i guess i <laughs> like all the, okay, so all now the little movies i'm gonna movies.
1: have to make sure that i don't look at your instagram before i watch it
0: yeah well hopefully because it was only on my story so hopefully it, like disappears before before this okay. recording okay so i don't know if y'all heard there's also allegedly an increase in the amount of stimulus checks so um it's gonna be allegedly like 2k versus like the $600. And honestly, the only thing I really wanna say about this is that I'm just not holding my breath to get it. And that it's really sad that people have been, us included have been like in a pandemic for this amount of time. And some people have been barely able to pay their bills. That's just sad to me. Um, So the main pop culture thing I really wanna talk about obviously is New Year's Eve, first of all, please just remember celebrations are canceled due to COVID. Like, let's not, you know, spread a virus anymore. Um, But besides that though, I really wanna talk to y'all from both of your respective positions about why New Year's resolutions, first of all, like, why do they even happen? Like, what do you all think um, is kind of like that correlation between like this new year and like all of these resolutions that we wanna make as opposed to like any other time, but also why do they fail or why do they oftentimes fail?
1: So it's, it's interesting. It's almost like new year's Eve serves as the stimulus prompt in a way for people Mm -hmm. to, to say that this is going to be that I'm going to change this about my life, or I want to, I want to do more of this or, and I'm going to, I'm going to follow this plan, whatever that might be And plans used in a very loose kind of way, because it's like you said before, Um, Even as behavior analysts, we have these goals in mind, but we're not always extremely capable of writing those plans for ourselves in measurable ways that make change. Um, And I think the biggest reason why a lot of times the goals that we want to meet are not met is because we aren't considering all of the things that we would if we were writing a plan for a client. Uh, uh, we are yeah. thinking about what are those environmental variables, what are the, and, and what are the environmental variables that are going to be barriers or supports for what it is that I want to do. And I also think for a lot of people that they have that end goal in mind without any benchmarks. And if we aren't doing what we need to do for that end goal, then we just stop completely. Uh, um, which is okay. really silly though. Cause right. You work with your clients and you work on approximations and you reinforce mm-hmm. approximations of the correct responses. And you're like, you know, it's not what I want to see, but it's almost there. Or it's something new. Um, and really that's what we should be doing for ourselves when we're setting up these new year's resolutions. And I think that it's, it's hard to write something for yourself. Initially, it's really, really difficult. Um, and I think that, in general, humans are better at taking care of other people than we are about taking care of ourselves. So
0: true. What about you, Jim? And from like a public health kind of perspective, do you kind of see, um, kind of like we do, where it's almost probably like a trend where, um, you know, you may see certain kind of commercials or you may just see um, certain or hear certain advertisements. And I imagine that they probably don't actually target us from like the healthiest way.
2: They don't. Um, and what you're hitting at, and I th- in my opinion, New Year's resolutions is the epitome as to why I went a public health track. So my undergraduate degrees are exercise science and athletic training. Um, and I was very immersed in that field along with all of the certifications and credentials I have. And the one um, you know, thing about the exercise physiology field is very, very toxic. Um, which I feel New Year's resolutions can are typically very toxic. Um, There's this overall attitude in exercise and diet where energy in, energy out. We call that energy expenditure. So if you move more than what you intake, you're going to lose weight. If you um, move less than what you intake, you'll gain weight. And then if you um, are about an equal intake and and exercise level, you will maintain weight. And that is a very dwindled down um, exercise physiology. Yes, that is the science behind weight loss, weight gain. Um, Typically resolutions are centered around exercise, diet and whatnot, but what it does not take into account, it's a very um, lack of trauma informed perspective. Um, mm. uh, the thing that I see all the time, which is why I switched to public health is, um, I, no one takes into account the social determinants of health. The reason why people make the behavior choices that they do. Um, why is it that you can't get up in the morning to exercise, telling yourself you'll do it, putting it on your calendar. That's not necessarily going to, to hold you accountable. Uh, and, and also new year's resolutions have a hype that year round does not it's all of a sudden you know we're we're in the week now we're recording this where i told gabriella we're all um confused on the day of the week we're full of cheese and (laughs) this is where we're at so you're coming off of all of the holidays being with family you're energized you're probably hopefully rested more so than you have been i know it's been an exhausting year for me uh, and then all of a sudden now you set these big giant goals that really do require you to probably grow into a new person and grow into a better person. And we're not taking care of any of those factors.
0: Yeah, one of the things I think it's interesting too. So um, thanks to Gabriella, I have an understanding of stimulus equivalence. Um, which I'm really happy about, cause I'm not kidding. I just didn't understand what it was until like whenever we did our LFEC or our LFE course. Um, but one of the things I think is also interesting is why we are even told that we should look a certain way or be a certain way. And so when I think about stimulus equivalents and I think about how the media portrays um, people who are not a very like white model of like fitness and not even fitness like literally like I think at this point we have been kind of fooled into believing that like literally like the size of people who are like Victoria's Secret models are like fitness um and essentially it was kind of like I think this movement of like if you don't look like that then surely you're lazy or surely you're you know all of these words that we've now paired with like bad or less than or whatever so now we have this movement of body positivity and I don't know if y'all heard I think this may have been like last week like Lizzo she which I'm so Like she, I I just feel so bad for her. I feel like she's like either like she's damned if she does and she's damned if she doesn't. She like was saying like, she was like on this vacation. She was like drinking too many mojitos. She's like, I just want to like detox a little bit. I literally like feel like gross, which if any of us have ever like just gotten trashed, like you tend to feel gross. So then it was like all these people who are all about her because she does allegedly like exude, Um, Number one, health. Like if you actually see any of her shows and stuff like that, clearly the girl has a lot of stamina, whatever. But then they're like, oh, well now you're trying to be skinny. And so it was interesting because I think what you kind of see is like this circular kind of thing where like they started saying the exact same things to her that were originally probably said to them, um, all again in this like name of either body positivity or, excuse me, this kind of like toxic way of like health. So I don't know. I feel like it's just almost kind of like a mind fuck. And it's like, number one, why do I even want to be X amount of weight? And I know that I was taught that, right? Like we even know that just certain cultures may carry weight and may carry their bodies and do carry their bodies differently. And then it's like, okay, well, how do, even no matter what, like even if I figure out, okay, like I wanna be this weight, it's a healthy choice it's almost overwhelming, I think, for most of us to like get there. And I do think you're right, Gemma, like it takes a fair amount of consistent change, both mentally, probably emotionally, and then again, behaviorally to get there. And that could just, I don't know, I imagine that could just be very overwhelming.
1: And also what I'd like to add to this too, a big piece of what you're touching on as well, Kami, when you talk about um, the physicality of what people are assuming is fitness, it's very whitewashed um, and it does not include other cultures or, um, you know, it's very Western. So it doesn't include what the beauty standard is in other, other places for, and, um, you know, like you said, it's, it's that Victoria fitness model or the, you know, you watch the CrossFit games or something like that. And that's what you think has to be the goal or, or what it should be. And it's all based on the physical look versus really what exactly health is. And you know, it's exactly like you said, Lizzo you know, exudes health in a lot of ways and demonstrates that. And if you've ever seen her show, you can see that she you know, could out sing, could out move, could out maneuver a lot of people, um, but the focus is on how they look. And it's very Western, it's very white supremacy culture. And it's not inclusive at all. It's definitely toxic.
2: Definitely. There's um, very little representation in mainstream media in representing health and wellness and fitness overall all year round, but especially. Um, in New Year's resolutions. And once you start paying attention to that, you can't turn it off. You'll, uh, you know, I, Gabriella and I are putting together some upcoming CEs on, the, on this topic. And I told her how frustrated I am looking in Canva where I'm like, these are all female identified, clearly the, the heteronormative look. Um, They're white. They are, uh, you know, the, the, what we call in the Peer Body Project, which is an empirically validated um, curriculum for eating disorder, primary prevention, and healthy body image. We call it the female body ideal. Um, And it is very white representative. Um, And it doesn't, it's not inclusive. It doesn't, it's not even diverse, right? Because diverse means we are um, a diverse group of races, people, identities, and then inclusion is them actually feeling like they belong. Um, and I am our YT certified uh, registered yoga teacher training. And I, Gabriella knows I wanted that certification for years, um, but it is exclusive. It is set up like our, you know, we, we talked about it with Lori Laughlin. This is set, the society works exactly the way it is supposed to. It just excludes, it wasn't built for Black, Indigenous people of color. And um, the fitness industry is no different. So here we have a RYT certification. So to become a master yoga certified instructor, most specialty boutiques that pay fitness instructors money so that you can actually make some of your money back require this. It's a $2,000 certification. Who can afford that? You're not getting a degree. You're not getting credit towards a degree um and then you know think about it really who can afford this then they offer the classes over three a couple months um and they're friday night all day saturday all day sunday so who can do that probably the majority and i will tell you who was the majority in my class white middle-aged women who are married to a partner who is making the majority of the money they and they are staying home taking care of the kids so then therefore now you have all white instructors who are female um who i are you know identify with their blinders on of whom they're used to which is heteronormative relationships um and and white women in a white culture so that what does that tell um a black person walking into a a class it tells it tells you you don't belong here you're not welcome here
0: yeah which is so interesting I think yoga culture is something that's interesting too because it's like it literally does not have a white foundation at all it also does not have an American foundation at all and somehow because
1: appropriation exactly
0: and it's like nobody not nobody but very rarely do people actually give credit to that and I'm just like this is it's I always tell people like I think like things like racism and anti-blackness are so insidious but I think especially for yoga like this is like the insidious nature of taking number one from religious practices number one from or number two from like other like Middle Eastern practice like it's just it's pretty insane how insidious honestly all of this kind of is okay so. Say um, I have done some of this internal work. I've figured out um, you know, that I do have these fitness goals or I do have these health goals. I've done the internal work to kind of take care of myself like mentally, emotionally on the inside. I'm ready to actually um, practice better eating habits or I'm, I'm ready to maybe go to like a dietitian or nutritionist to kind of even see what kind of things I should be eating or I shouldn't be eating for my body type or whatever. Um, Aside from kind of like that work, like some of those hopefully antecedent strategies, behaviorally speaking, Gabriella, where would you say that people should start?
1: So I think it's, there's kind of two that always jump into when I'm creating these plans with people and working with them. There's two that jump out to me. The first one is what are, what are your goals? Um, What are they in a measurable capacity? And then Making sure that that individual understands that what those goals are, and most people, it it surrounds something around weight loss. Typically, that's what that is. O- occasionally, you will speak to people that are like, "Well, I went to the doctor, and um, you know, this is where I need to be to be healthy." And I love those goals. I love I love when we see those goals. Um, but for the majority of the time, it's, "Well, I want to be this number. I want to be this weight, or I want to lose X amount of weight." Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. If that's, that's your goal and you're doing it in a healthy way and you've done all the antecedent strategies that you just described first. Um, but one of the first things that I say is, um, you know, when you're reinforcing these behaviors, because we need to figure out what those reinforcers are, um, but you need to be reinforcing the behaviors that perpetuate that goal, not weight loss itself. Um, so I see that quite a bit where people are like, oh, well, you know, once I lose 10 pounds, I'm going to do this. Um, And it's like, this is where we go wrong right off the bat is that we are trying to reinforce the reinforcer. The weight loss is your goal. That's the reinforcer. Um, So we need to be thinking about, okay, well, how many meals per day, many meals did the nutritionist say that you're supposed to eat? What are, okay, so what are your barriers to getting that done to have? Is it meal prep? Is it eating them all? Is it um, the type of food you're being given? You really don't enjoy it. What are those things, and then we need to reinforce those behaviors of eating those meals or drinking x amount of water. Um, and the same, the same can go for the fitness side of things. Um, so if it's not necessarily nutrition and it's it's working out or, or you know x amount of days per week doing this, um, you know it's a very that's a very hefty goal. Like Gemma said, you can tell yourself you're going to get up and do it, but it's a very very hefty goal. Um, so a lot of times I say, you know what, if you just can't do it that day, all I want you to do is get dressed. That's it. Put your workout clothes on, put your sneakers on, and let's figure out a reinforcer just for that, right? So the approximations that build you up, think of it the same way you would a client. Um, And it's like, how do I reduce this task and still access reinforcement for that piece? Um, The other thing that I, you know, usually say is if, if your goal is to be losing weight and to be eating healthy um, and to be working on those things, then stop reinforcing yourself with the junk food. Um, You know, you should have some sort of NCR. There's a, I keep, I keep doing your, your terms early, Cami. I'm sorry. Um, But what's your non-contingent reinforcement, right? Like you should you should have something in place that um, it's junk food, treats, those kinds of things. They should be non-contingently arranged. Um, Why? So
0: remember, because if we put ourselves in the severe deprivation state, Mm -hmm. it's not going to actually, and like when I feel like what's interesting is like when we think about this really almost in any other capacity, we're like, oh, this makes sense. Like surely if I'm depriving myself of all of these things, I'm going to have some kind almost like of a, I would think um what is this called it's not like um I'm thinking of like overcorrection but it's not overcorrection but whatever the term is is like when you overly engage in something that you've been like so mm-hmm. like severely deprived from whatever that is and so yeah, yeah I like that like
1: your extinction burst almost yeah, right? yeah, like yeah yeah
0: um- <laughs> that makes so much sense keep going yep. gabriella
1: uh, so those are, those are mainly the big ones. And so the second goal would just be figuring out what are those reinforcers sans, you know, the junk food um, and reinforcing yourself and do a preference assessment on yourself and figure out what those things are. And it's going to be different for everyone the same way it's different for, um, you know, your clients and figuring out what those are. So those are usually initially the first two things that I talk about. Uh, when I meet and discuss with somebody.
0: So Gemma, one of the things I think is interesting is we oftentimes focus on how we look, but not the actual food we eat. And I had this realization when I was watching a show and I don't want to plug the show because it's really rooted in so much. I just think phobia and just sadness. And I think stress and trauma, um, but it just so happened to be a show on TLC and I'm watching this show. And of course there's people who are highlighted because of how they look, right? And they're presumably unhealthy. They are like admittedly unhealthy. They go to this doctor, to try to get help with that. Meanwhile, they're eating the exact same food, obviously maybe like in larger quantities, but the exact same food that like we would eat every single day, or if you see in the show, literally like their spouses are eating or their children are eating. And so it's kind of like, what if we're looking at this the wrong way? What if we're looking at this of like, I need to lose weight, I need to do, you know, I need to be healthier. But what if it's like, no, like actually, I think we all know about like food deserts, But, like, oftentimes we're not in, you know, for some of us, like, we're not in food deserts. We literally just probably have more access um, and more ease, you know, to get probably food that's just like really, really bad for us, even if we're not overweight. So, I don't know. What do you think about that?
2: Um, I think you're touching on really valuable points. Uh, Food desert is is a a huge thing. And I just want to point out to the community that's listening there's a difference between access. And availability, um, which is a you always that's a public health perspective when you're looking at a system, how do we how do we address the social determinant um, that is it creating this environment for certain groups of people marginalized identities to be um, uh, more unhealthy, which leads to m- chronic disease at a higher rate and poorer mot- mortality. Um, and, you know, access mean, does not mean available. So I always use the example of an HIV clinic. If um, the HIV clinic is from eight to five, Monday through Friday, who is that leaving out? Or even, um, you know, it, we I live in Georgia, so I know I've already voted. So we can even talk about voter suppression. We know we're all watching what the Senate is, going to do in early January um voter suppression we have a one day early voting on a Saturday and then my early voting hours are 10 to 4 who does that leave out that leaves out the essential worker, that leaves out the single parent, that leaves out the, the individuals without transportation. Um, you know, rural areas do not have public transportation. So just because it's available in the community doesn't mean that individuals have access to it. And that's what I feel that we always, we, it's the elephant in the room that no one talks about. And then we end up ignoring it so much that people don't see it impacting Uh, health and wellness overall. Um, So yeah, so it it definitely um, needs to be in the discussion and we need to address those barriers like Gabriella mentioned. Um, It's not, it's great to have that overall goal, uh, but if it's not a goal that you can meet because it is not within your resources and your access to do it, then we need, we need to rethink Um, how we're going to tackle this Um, but I I have a feeling I know which shows you're discussing and they are extremely toxic um, and upsetting to watch.
0: And it's almost like and even again if you go back to like just the behavioral aspect of like marketing you know that um, that's why You know, they have those kind of shows, and it's just, it's sad. It's really, really sad. Um, One of the things that I've always struggled with so I was in high school, and this was, so I was about 16. So this is like pre cancer, I'm like a buck 25 max. And I remember like my cheerleading coach literally giving us ways to starve ourselves, giving us ways to like binge and purge, giving us ways to, and she literally said, like I remember just being so excited as a freshman to make like the varsity cheerleading team. I always wanted, I was a cheerleader like my whole life. And I remember her saying like, you get one uniform, like it is your job to stay in this like for all four years. And I remember like we did, we did. And this is in high school where like we, I mean, I was extremely active. We, I had no reason to think anything bad about my body, like not to say anybody should have a reason to, but you know what I mean? Like I really had no reason to. And I just remember being like this, like feeling this pressure, right. To like be whatever it was that like my coach wanted me to be so much. So, and you can ask my parents, I remember like during chemo, obviously chemo makes you sick, but I remember being so excited to eat like whatever I want. And I'm like, Oh, I'm just going to throw it up anyways. Like, and it was almost like this, like very like dad like bring me a steak like bring me a burger or whatever because I knew within hours because of like the medication that it was going to be gone anyways and I just remember like glorifying that and I'm like a fucking chemo patient is glorifying throwing up because her cheerleading coach made her think that at 125 pounds she was fat like it it's just I don't know, it's been really, really interesting. And I think I was telling Gabriella over the summer when she was helping me with my behavior plan, it actually took me gaining like the weight to like where I am now to really kind of have this like love for myself. And now it's really interesting. Like at this point, I'm able to actually um, rethink, like, my relationship with the food, rethink my relationship with exercise, and it it's almost harder, I think, for me, at least at this point, because it's not toxic. Like, I'm almost like that person where, like, if you give me, like, some really mean things, like, uh, like, if you say mean things to me, that's, like, my motivation, and I think Gabriella has kind of helped me because I don't have anybody around me that's obviously toxic, <laughs> like, and so I'm like, oh, like, I actually just have to, like, love myself and kind of, like, actively make these choices out of love. And it has been a struggle. Like Gabriella helped me with my plan, probably like this summer. And like, I'm literally doing it, but like not fully committing to it. Because again, I have to learn that like, I can't do this in the same kind of toxic mindset that I honestly want it to, when I first started writing the plan, you know, and when I first started really like working on my body, and that's hard. Like that's that's a really really hard thing to unlearn. And I don't think the media makes it easy for us to unlearn that.
1: I also think the the COVID nineteen is definitely a factor this year um, because it's so socially motivated, and um, there's so much to surrounding the approval of other people, that when you're denied that piece, um, the, the motivation changes. It's, you don't have, if you're following, like you said, you know, New Year's Eve plans are canceled, right? Like there is not that tiny little New Year's Eve dress to fit into that people, you know, that might have served as a motivator um, or a benchmark. So it's, that's another big piece too, is that COVID-19, um, I think it's giving people, A chance to look beyond that and maybe look for more intrinsic motivators or to look at other ways of measuring um, what that motivation is because a lot of us have probably spent a lot of time in yoga pants this year, and those are forgiving.
2: Uh, I do want to talk about COVID 19 and I know that I am I already know my profession well enough to know that we're about to be flooded with lose the quarantine weight. Uh, and it just makes me cringe when I hear that because we are in, we are still in survival mode. We have over 300,000 Americans dead. We are, uh, at, at COVID-19 is, it's worse now than it was in March in the United States. So, um, we are, we are literally surviving and I, um, Gabrielle and I have done a couple CEs on the intersection of COVID-19 and, um. Uh, behavior, BCBA and um, behavior analysts. Um, And, you know, the thing that I tell parents when they're trying to decide, assuming that they even have the means to do remote learning, right? Because again, it all goes back to who is the system set up to support and who is the system set up to um, ignore and exclude. Uh, Even if they have that, they are, you know, all concerned about, well, what about developmental delays? What about um, you know, uh, our kids learning, our social, um, them wearing masks, not being able to see expressions. And I always go back to uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is a psychological, um, you know, theory. And we, we cite this, public health professionals cite this in conjunction with psychologists for even uh, mass casualty incidents um you know sandy sandy uh hurricane sandy comes to mind where we had children out of school for uh, over a month did that create an academic delay yes but their hierarchy of needs right now is survival we need to make sure they are fed they are clothed um and then above that is their self-esteem and emotional wellness and then all the way at the top is where you're thriving um so it, it for many people, COVID-19 has been still an okay year. I know that uh, I got a promotion, I bought a house and I got engaged. So it's been a a decent year for me all considering, Um, but for others, it's really a devastating year. So to put that extra pressure on yourself, thinking that you need to quote, lose the quarantine weight in a year when we aren't past this yet, I see the light at the end of the tunnel with the vaccine, but I also know that that's not a switch. And I hope everyone listening knows that too. You still need to wear your mask, even when your time comes and you get that vaccine. Um, so, it, you know, that those things need to be considered. Um, and then the other thing that Cami mentioned that I think is really important um, it, it, when she was talking about the show is what people are eating. Um, and that's a, a Really important piece about forbidden food. There are no forbidden food. It's food in moderation. Another curriculum um, that I'll cite is called Shakedown, which is the only evidence-based curriculum for pediatric obesity. Uh, And I did an internship with this at a cardiac rehab, and um, the children had to be in the 90th percentile even to qualify to do this curriculum, but it was behavior-based. And we categorized food as junk food, heavy food, light food, and free food. And the idea is you can't not have junk food. That is not a a healthy look at relationship. That's how you fail. Um, The idea of, oh, I ate this chocolate cake. I might as well eat the rest of the house, right? And then it's much harder to get back um, in the swing of things the next day, right? You um, kind of, you feel like a failure. Um, I had a set of clients, they were getting you know body ready for their wedding. So again, we're talking about goals. That's a goal, but what are you gonna do after the wedding? What are you gonna do at the wedding? And um, he invited me to the wedding and then he said, you'll be so proud of me. I won't be eating any wedding cake. And I was like, skrrr. Wedding cake is calorie free, especially at your own wedding. The goal is to never eat wedding cake. The goal is to, you know, have some trade-offs to increase your physical activity, to enjoy it, plan for it, know you're going to eat it, and then you won't feel bad afterwards. It's a, it's a lifestyle. This isn't new year's resolution should not be until I meet this weight or until the first barrier hits, then I just let my self-esteem plummet and we are ride this train until the next new year's resolution.
0: Yeah. Cause it almost kind of seems like, like, I feel like a running theme of what both of you all are saying is essentially it's almost like the, if your goal is not rooted in really just like love and like really taking care of yourself and really um, trying to um, even going back to like that hierarchy of needs, like trying to get to like this self fulfilling kind of self affirming place. Um, then oftentimes the behaviors that we um, engage in to kind of meet this goal are, are not going to actually um, be healthy and actually kind of get us to where we want to be. That's really interesting is very mind blowing like I said, I'm still learning and unlearning. And that's hard. And I will say, like, especially I think during COVID, it's especially hard, not because of the weight gain, but because we have more access to be flooded with all of these advertisements. I guarantee you after we, um, because as we know, our computers and phones, which are freakily like listening to us, I guarantee you, like even after we record this, we're probably all going to be getting all of these ads for like, I don't know, like Weight Watchers or like that, noom or zoom noom app or whatever it is like to try to like help you lose weight and I think oftentimes like recognizing though that like this is happening to me because the system is designed for me to put into put money into a project like a product that is probably designed to make me fail. And we're all kind of in this rat race. And so I appreciate both of you all coming on the show and kind of giving both the behavioral and a public health perspective because I I don't think we oftentimes hear these perspectives enough, let alone together. So I appreciate that. Before we go, I really want you all to just, um, I know you all have told us what TWICE Consulting is, but I know you have some upcoming projects up that I'm super pumped about. So yeah, tell us about those.
1: Okay, so we have an upcoming CE um, that if you are interested in attending, um, that's going to be on January 14th at three o'clock Eastern Standard Time, super early for Cami. sorry about that. At least it's not in the middle of the night.
0: <laughs> I don't sleep much, so it's okay. I'll be there. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's, my friendship with Cammie has been very one-sided as far as time zones go. I apologize now for that.
0: <laughs> Gabriella's because... like asleep. Like, it's always like me and Amber <laughs> texting. And it's like, we know if it's like 6 p.m. Like my time or like even like 5 p.m. My time, like Gabriella is asleep. Meanwhile, it's like... <laughs> I don't know, 2 a.m. my time and I don't know, like six or whatever her time. And I'm like, wide awake. <laughs> and I'm like, she's like, can go to bed?
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm like, how are you talking to me right now? This is the middle of the night for you. Um, but anyway, so it's going to be January 14th at three o'clock Eastern Standard Time. And the title of that is Examining Toxic Fitness Culture, Decolonizing um, and Recognizing Ableism Within the Field. Um, So that's going to be our, um, oh, no, excuse me, I misspoke. That is, um, we do have examining toxic fitness culture and decolonizing and recognizing ableism within the field and the industry. There, um, that will be probably airing in February. Um, We have another CE opportunity coming up, which is, let me look it up. I have it. It's unpacking the homophobic,
2: transphobic, and binary lens and exercise prescription, creating an affirming and ethical co- culture. And that will be January 14th. So um, you can register even if you can't make the time. Cami, if it's a fluke day and you sleep in, um, we'll be emailing out the recording so you can still catch it on the back end.
1: Yes, yeah, so that, and that's going to actually provide, if you are a BCBA, that will give you 1.5 ethics
0: CEs. Which are hard um, to so come easy, by, oh yeah. Those
1: are not easy to come by, especially in this um, you know, special interest group of fitness and, and um, health and behavior. So check us out for that one. And then, like I said, we're going to have one for decolonizing ableism within um, toxic fitness culture. That will likely be airing in February which will be 1.5 type two CEs. Um, So check us out at www.twiceconsulting.com. And you'll be able to see more information about some of the services that we provide. Um, If you are interested in some sort of um, health or fitness package on the remote end, um, you know, Gemma does provide individualized fitness plans for people. And then I'm available to support in all of those environmental changes, all that internal work, all of those other pieces in breaking down those barriers, figuring out what the obstacles are um, and as far as the behavior analytics side. Um, So we have different packages available. If you do not feel that you need the fitness plan individualized to you and you already have something that you wanna work with, um, but you want the behavioral side that is available Um, If you don't feel like you need the behavioral side because you are a behavior analyst and you feel like you can do it on your own, but you would like a individual plan um, tailored to your needs, then Gemma's available just for that. So there are different packages available on the website um, for anyone who might be interested.
0: Love that. Well, thank y'all so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate that. Actually would love to do some kind of follow-up. Maybe we can do it like a few months after hopefully all of these really toxic uh, commercials and advertisements are off and just to kind of see um where we are and jimma i would also love to have you on i try to keep the show as like light if you will as possible um but i do think it's really important to make space and to to be responsible with the fact that i do have this platform where we can just be honest especially about the fact that we are still in a pandemic um and we a lot of us, I think, just need to do better, being mindful of that. So yeah, I, I would love to have you back in the future, but in the meantime, um, I'm sure I'll probably, Gabriella, talk to you later on, but thank you so much, especially Gemma, um, with your busy schedule. And I think it's our first time, no, it's our second time meeting virtually, so I'm really pumped about that. But yeah, thank y'all so much for coming on the show.
1: Thanks for having us, Cami. Thanks, cami
0: alright you All right, y'all, please, Please, please send me all of those questions to the Instagram inbox at Love ABA. I'm talking questions about relationships, sex, ABA, pop culture. I mean, really anything. I would love to um, not only read them, but also um, to answer them for you. So, yeah, go ahead and send those over to the Love Sex ABA Instagram inbox. While you are at it, Um, go ahead and follow that page. Go ahead and subscribe to this podcast anywhere that you can listen to podcasts. And also, please consider becoming a Patreon. So just remember that once you become a Patreon, you not only will get a free Love, Sex, ABA uh, water bottle sticker, or computer sticker. I just put mine all in my water bottle. Um, but you also will have um, priority with not only um, getting your questions read aloud on the show, but also on coming on the show. So yeah, go ahead and uh, follow me and support me on the Patreon at Love Sex LoveSexABA podcast. So one of the questions that I really wanted to answer this week from the inbox um, was in reference to my Until There Is a Cure episode. And then also in reference to the episode that I was actually featured on, on the Defy podcast. So I was asked about painful sex, preparing for sex and and just things like that um, after my cancer diagnosis. So it just says, hey, Cami, thank you so much for your episode. It has really, really helped me to just be more mindful of listening to my body. And thank you so much for spreading awareness. First of all, that is that is my goal or was my goal. So thank you for listening. And then they ask um, if me and Jamie have to actually plan for sex. And the answer is yes. So um, planning for sex is definitely something that I was really embarrassed about, was really ashamed about. Because, you know, in the movies and in TV shows, sex tends to be this very, like, spontaneous thing until you get married and, you know, or until you've been together for a long time and they make it seem like sex is something that just kind of happens in like the spur of the moment. Um, and what I've actually come to learn is that that could not be further from the truth for the average person that engages in sex. And so, yes, um, we do actually have to plan it. Um, like I mentioned on that episode, I do in some ways have to kind of prepare my body Um in in just certain ways that, um, to be honest, I, I did not have to before. So, um, after my hysterectomy, part of the reason why sex was so painful is just because, um, my, while I did require and request rather for them to keep in my cervix, um, any kind of like penetrative kind of, um, acts, it would, it was just really, really painful. And so, and also, um, I think like I mentioned in that episode as well, um, vaginal lubrication is is different post hysterectomies. Um, and so I just really have to prepare. Oftentimes um, I definitely have to use, I think more lube than maybe like I had to before, but actually um, I have discovered um, Yoni eggs or sometimes they're just called like jade eggs. Mine, it just so happens to be jade. I guess it doesn't only have to be that that crystal, but um, and so what the egg has actually kind of helped me to do, um, along with some other kind of therapeutic practices, it's helped me to actually feel more comfortable, um, just number one, with penetration. But also it's helped me to be more comfortable, honestly, with my sexuality. I think it wasn't until I really had this hysterectomy and that I kind of had to um, take a step back and and really relearn some of the things that I liked, some of the things that I didn't like, really... Um, even kind of analyze why I liked certain things or um, why I didn't like certain things, um, I really just essentially had to kind of understand and grow to love in a very, very therapeutic way, like my own sexuality. And in, in doing that, along with um, just the work that I've been doing with the Jade Egg um, sex is more fulfilling and I think a more spiritual place than kind of what it was prior to my surgery. Um, so, I mean, I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but I guess the overall takeaway is like, yes, uh, we do have to prepare, um, before we have surgery. Oftentimes like spontaneous sex is just not something that, um, you know, we necessarily have, um. But I'm also learning that, again, like that's normal and that's okay. And I thank God that Jamie is a partner who has been, you know, really, really patient and open on this journey with me. Um, But, yeah, so some of the things, like I said, I have to do is I just have to prepare, especially for like lubricants and things like that, to have extra lube. Um, Oftentimes I may even have to masturbate before um, we actually have any kind of like penetrative sex, just because again, it really is painful. And it's important to me uh, to just be honest and to use my platform to really hopefully help other people out there to understand that, you know, our bodies are normal, our bodies are perfect, just as they are. And that, yeah, it's okay to need to kind of prepare for things, even if the media, um, does again, what I now know is like a very false kind of portrayal of what sex between, um, you know, a partner may be. So thank you so much for asking me that. Um, please, 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 uh, remember just to ask me anything in the inbox. I can talk more about my cancer experience. I could talk more about sex. Um, I can talk more about relationships, ABA, really anything. So please just don't hesitate to ask me those questions in the inbox. All right, y'all, that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining me on Love, Sex, and Applied Behavior Analysis, the podcast where pop culture and ABA meet. Bye.